0: what is up everyone welcome back to another episode of tmt time i'm your host evan rothstein today i have a guest host with me who has been a previous guest on tmt time and that is greg lauer greg welcome back into the podcast
1: as always excited to be here evan.
0: good luck on your first uh, chance and opportunity to uh, co-host with me and you are my co-host because One of your clients has agreed graciously to come on the podcast. And that is Jennifer Libby, who is a licensed clinical therapist and social worker, and has been deeply involved in managing kids' health for the last 20 years, but her relation to TMT time is she has recently translated that experience into the founding of a new social media platform designed to help kids called Promly. Jen, welcome into the podcast.
2: Thanks so much, Evan, and thanks, Greg, for the invite. It's great to be here.
0: So, Jennifer, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and Promly and how you got involved into becoming sort of a tech startup entrepreneur?
2: Well, let's say this, Evan. I never dreamed that I would ever, in my wildest days, be a founder of a tech startup. Let's be clear. That was not in my cards. I will say I was perfectly happy Um, running a private practice, working with a lot of really great kids. Um, I typically was known and still am known to treat, you know, the difficult to treat adolescent and have been in New Jersey, you know, running a really great practice for the last 20 years. What became so apparent to me, and it was, you know, crazy when I moved down here, I remember just kind of keeping track of the teen suicides that I heard about in the area. So in our area, there were only three teen suicides for a six-year period from 2003 to 2009 when I moved here. And then there was a massive increase that I just noted as a therapist where I saw anywhere from six to 19 suicides in the general geographic area where I treat kids every single year for about 10 years from 2009 to 2019. And then as of 2020, we landed at 15 in that same exact geographic area. And so as a therapist that's treating kids and a you know, a mental health professional, you know, I look around and I say, wow, we're really failing. You know, we're just not reaching these kids in the most effective way. And then I would say it was probably about three or four years ago, my clients would come to me and they would say, Jen, adults are creating, you know, they've created social media. They know it's harming kids, they know it's even killing kids. Why haven't the adults stepped up to fix this? Do they just not care what happens to us? Are we just some kind of experiment generation? And after, you know, each year went by, it was like, god, there's not really a plan. Like nobody seems to be coming in to solve this problem. And so, you know, really as a result of clients coming to me and telling their stories and, you know, kids being so upset by what they were seeing, what they were doing on social media and knowing that it was having an impact on their mental health, we rallied together i w- i would never go about creating a uh, like an app for kids obviously i'm you know 40 mid 40s and i certainly would not want to do that on my own but we got a gen z team together to say well what would you guys even want to see if you were going to create a social media or a social networking platform and so that's really how we got going
1: can you talk a little bit jen about the the relationship between promly the public benefit corporation and, and promptly support the five hundred one C three that you launched. And, and sure. what is very unique—I've never seen anything quite like this before—and what your team is trying to accomplish.
2: Absolutely, Greg. I will say this: you know, when we were thinking about building a better social networking platform, and and, you know. Part of the impetus was saying, okay, we know that kids don't use mental health apps, right? So I would love for them to use them, but I beg and I I try to get kids to use the mental health apps. I bribe them, I do whatever, but they just don't use them consistently, but yet they're using all these social medias all the time, right? And so we, you know, the vision was, well, you know, kind of like the first rule of therapy, you always start where your clients are at. Well, if my clients are all on social media, well, I'm going to I'm going to do something like that, right? That's that's their language. That's what speaks to them. Well, let's do it in a better way. So I, I would say I listened to a Stanford podcast, I remember, like on my way home from work one night, and it was talking about like various incorporations. And this was at the very beginning when we were revisioning this. And, you know, somebody said, oh, you know, they did this whole talk on a, a hybrid organization that would be partly a nonprofit, but then partly above public benefit court. I said, oh, this sounds like a great idea. This is really the foundation of what could be an amazing social enterprise where, you know, our loyalty is really for the public benefit, not for, you know, necessarily the stakeholders alone, but really, you know, we owe it to the public benefit to be responsible. Um, In addition, you know, we're doing all these great things that a nonprofit does, like how can we, you know, incorporate that and bring that in? And so, Stanford made it sound like this was some kind of easy incorporation and come to find out we're one of like five in the country, right? I I think it's growing. I think that we see more of the public benefit and nonprofit hybrids coming up, but um, I don't think I realized at the time that we were, you know, uh, very rare, let's say. But ultimately it's interesting 20 years, more than 20 years ago now, I wrote my master's thesis on the incorporation of, you know, Business principles in nonprofits, mostly because I was so frustrated working in nonprofits, having to beg for money every three years. You're writing grants, you're crossing your fingers, you're holding your breath, you're hoping that you're going to have a job, you're hoping you're going to be able to provide services and expand. And I just never saw it working as effectively as business, right? How do we have all these millions of dollars in tech startups and yet we are struggling every three years in nonprofits when shouldn't we be, you know, somehow be able to make this work? And so when we think of the model of a social enterprise, you know, for us anyway, the model is how can we create a true ecosystem that really works together with corporations to be able to be profitable enough to be able to fully support what the nonprofit is doing ultimately. Now, we're not there yet. We're obviously very new, but that is the ultimate goal is to be a really uh, cohesive working ecosystem so that the nonprofits isn't struggling as the way that i've seen nonprofits struggle and not that every nonprofit struggles but i've certainly worked in my share so um you know that was really the the brainchild behind that
1: so as you turn a page a little bit towards the end of the year we're, we're almost into the holiday season and i know that you've got big goals for 2022 can you can you talk to us a little bit about what those goals are on both sides of the uh, the coin
2: Sure. I mean, one thing, so just to give you kind of a little bit of a background on Promly, you know, we are building a better social networking platform for specifically for high school students. You know, one of the things is I've just seen so many high school students struggle and I've seen so many inappropriate things like happen with pedophiles and, you know, like all kinds of sketchiness on like regular social medias that my clients report to me. So we've, you know, our goal is to create this better uh, social networking ecosystem. It's not even, it's not a social media. And it's not just a platform, it's really an ecosystem that works together with all these other um, organizations to be able to empower kids to actually get off their phones and go out and do something. We uh, match kids based on 20 things they want to do before they're 20. And then we ultimately provide opportunities for them to actually go out and do these things. In addition, we also, through our nonprofit, are able to provide the mental health support directly in the app. So for again it's not a mental health app it's a social networking platform but the idea is that I know there's great resources like I as a therapist know of a million different resources that actually exist for kids. There's you know crisis text and teen line and Trevor project and Jed Foundation and they are all doing amazing things but the problem is kids aren't going to leave their snapchat at 2 a.m. and remember to type in 741741 to crisis text, like it's just not intuitive for them. And so part of our thought process is, okay, how can we build this in to make these resources much more accessible and really coach kids on how to use resources that are actually existing and out there? In addition, what can we do to actually be preventative to help kids actually with their mental health? 10 steps before teen suicide is even an option. So when we you know, kind of envision this, and as a therapist, I would say, you know the general you know we always say the base of human happiness is connectedness well aren't we at a place where we're you know we're finding that kids are reporting chronic levels of disconnect while they're so connected on social media they're just experiencing this heavy level of disconnect and that disconnect is driving a lot of these depressive episodes a lot of the anxious episodes it's fascinating you know to have seen kids really emerge through this but you know social media it's not like all social media is bad There's many, many great things about it, but how can we empower the good things while also really empowering connectedness? Because we know that that's what heals kids, right? So I can tell you I've treated plenty of kids who have been suicidal, plenty of kids who have been homicidal with like visions of school shootings, things like that. And when we look at like, how do we kind of pull them out of that, so much of it comes from building an authentic level of connectedness, both within themselves and with others. So at Promly, we look at saying, okay, well, how can we do that? Well, we match kids by their 20 by 20. We pull, you know, pull kids together, we create different events, but then we partner with a lot of different startups that are doing great things for kids, be it through financial literacy and teaching kids how to invest at younger ages, um, be it through world travel, you know, and creating more opportunities for kids in that way, be it through volunteering, internship programs, you know, college prep. SAT, you know, all these different kinds of things that are great resources for kids. But our goal is to really put them into the hands of kids instead of waiting for them to seek them on their own. So that's kind of, you know, big picture.
1: One, Evan, I know you want to jump in here, but I, one, one thought that I had when I listened to what you're saying, Jen, what's fascinating to me and what's interesting about the, the development of your idea and the application itself is that you are building almost like the concept of privacy by design. Right. Into the concept of social public benefit norms into a com- potentially commercial enterprise, which is very, very unique and certainly not nothing that I think has been anticipated by more established, very large platforms that are now ad- having to address some of these issues on an after the fact basis, not to minimize the the effort that they're putting into this. It's just, you know, there are very large commercial enterprises that are publicly traded and they have shareholders you're in a p- unique position to be thinking about these issues on the front end as you're launching your product. And how I would love to know as you're as you're thinking about this, what role does your Gen Z team, the interns that are powering this effort, how do they fit into this equation?
2: Ah, uh, our Gen Z team. Well, Greg and Evan, I will tell you this. I'm a huge fan of Gen Z. You know, I know they're oftentimes a misunderstood generation, but I have to say, I've loved being a therapist, first of all, for Gen Z. It's like such a privilege and such an opportunity. Even more so though, I have to say, we're so grateful to all the many, many, many Gen Zers that have risen up to come together to build Promly, right? Like, I i mean, I said this, I would never try to build an app on my own. And I am routinely struck by how, when we get our Gen Z team together and people have said like, Jen, how do you get these you know kids? Like we have high school, college and graduate school kids who, in the beginning of this, just volunteered their time and just showed up. And I would constantly be surprised. Like, you know, these kids are just showing up for free. Like, they just believe in what our mission is, and they want to see things really change. And they're just willing to come to these meetings and show up in the summer and, you know, brainstorm. And even during COVID, you know, where there's kids are on Zoom all day, and they're still willing to jump on Zoom calls at night. And they're willing to write articles and they, you know, they're on podcasts and they're hosting podcasts and they're really trying to build, you know, this great thing together. Um, It's amazing to me that that so many kids, and we've had probably over 70 kids since the beginning, you know, participate in various levels. Some kids full-time, some kids, you know, jump in when they can, Um, but everybody's really played a part. I laugh all the time because if I did not have Gen Z behind this it would fail there's just no doubt i say that because every single time and it's literally like 100% of the time i'll come up with a great design i think i'm amazing right and it's it's amazing it's this you know dark design with like whatever and i'm like oh this they're going to love this and i go to the intern meeting and i just say guys what do you think you know do you like this one or do you like this one and 100% of the time i am wrong and what i have come up with is absolutely not what they like And so it's so interesting, every, like, since the very beginning of building Promly, you know, we really go back to Gen Z, and I say, guys, what do you think, you know, this one or this one? And inevitably, I'm literally every single time wrong about what I think that they would want, and you'd think that I'd be getting better at this, but, you know, they change so quickly, and they are like the masters of um, unpredictable on so many levels, and so we're so fortunate to be able to work with them and really, you know, amplify their voice. I think one of the things that my clients have told me over the years is how not validated they have felt, right? And so there's this sort of uprising of wanting to feel like adults validate and hear them and understand what their worries are and their concerns. Or, you know, Gen Z is considered one of the most empathetic generations we've ever seen. And I truly believe that. And I've seen that um, with these kids, but, they also want to be heard, and you know at Promley, I really do think we give kids the chance to be heard, and not just heard, but we listen and we take those ideas and we make it happen. And I think you know, uh, you know, again, I give them so much credit because um, they really are, you know, the backbone of what we're doing. And you know, we say Promley built for Gen Z by Gen Z. You know, it really. I envision it as always being a work in progress where, you know, we look to Gen Z to give like really cool feedback and then change and pivot as we need to based on what this generation brings to the table. So yeah, they're they're the backbone, no doubt.
0: So yeah, I think you just encapsulated uh, the issues that the rest of us have with communicating with Gen Z because I don't think we understand them and I I think that they think that we don't understand them. And so there's just a disconnect constantly as we try to communicate downwards. And as a, a parent of a, a Gen Zer, and Greg is also a parent of a, a Gen Zer, but a little bit younger than mine, I constantly struggle to connect with them in a manner in which that they want to connect. Uh, and I, I, I applaud you for putting this together, Jen, because the, the pl- I, as a person who is not a fan of social media and sees the detrimental effects they can have, um, and always looking for ways to find the positive impact that it can have on the upbringing of these kids. I think this is a, a niche that is needed, but I'm, I'm interested in hearing about how you've gone about building it and where you think it's going to go in the future. You think it's uh, an enterprise that will be encapsulated in some of the other social media platforms on their own, whether you want to build it and convince all of them to include you in it or or something else entirely
2: well you know it's interesting evan when we first um started building promly i was like well we're not going to compete with like snapchat youtube like facebook like it's just like we're not going to try to do that my vision initially was just like i just want kids to have access to resources i don't really care who we work with, how it happens. Like in my ideal world, I would say, great, Facebook, like YouTube, all these guys, I would happily like build them into the platform. And I was like, I'd be doing them a favor. Like we'll do all the mental health stuff. We'll just, we'll just take care of that for them. Um, you know, I found quickly that it's a little bit harder to do that than, you know, I originally envisioned. Right. And so we, you know, really had to say, okay, well, you know, we could build kind of certain features of Instagram in Um, but not all of them. And then the users didn't really like that. So, you know, we currently don't have them built in, but at the same point, I'm happy to work with any of these guys. I, you know, when we've talked to Snapchat and we've talked to other, you know, socials, um, you know, I have a big vision, but it's a little bit harder to actually do, but I don't have, um, I just want kids to get the help that they need. And so, I'm not really looking to work against anybody. I always say, you know, one of the things, you know, you'll see probably in any email I send together, we will change outcomes and save lives. I really don't believe it's any one platform, any one nonprofit, any one organization, any one corporation that is going to fix this. It's not just gonna be Promly. Promly works with everybody. I always joke, like, we don't compete with anybody, we work with everybody. Um, Because I do believe if we're gonna get ahead of the mental health crisis, if we're gonna get ahead of teen suicide, with the numbers that we're looking at day to day, we all need to rise up and come together. Um, you know, Greg, you brought up, you know, you guys have some exciting things going on. And I would say, again, I never expected myself to be a startup founder. I also never expected myself to be a concert um, you know, producer, right? So we have um, a big event happening at the Prudential Center on April 1st, 2022, which is called the Changemakers Festival. And we're bringing in celebrities, influencers, changemakers, corporations, nonprofits, and really in an effort to validate Gen Z, but to really address the mental health crisis, but do it in a way that speaks to kids and what speaks to kids more than music festivals, right? So that's where kids want to be. Well, that's where we're going to be. And we're going to bring in the very best, I can't name any names, but, um, the very best, most,
0: uh, you don't want to give exclusive content to TMT time, but,
2: um, but it's going to be awesome. We have some really great sponsors behind it already. And, um, you know, the event we're looking to make it an annual event, just to really like give kids a shared experience, something to empower them, um, empower their 20 by twenties and give them, you know, something awesome. So again, I never thought, you know, we'd be doing a startup I also never thought we'd be doing concerts but you know it turns out we are and you know because our our Gen Z team is like well that would be awesome and we're like all right well let's see if we can do it and it turns out we can all right let's do this you know so it's really um it's exciting and it's fun but it's also so empowering because of that idea of rising up together like really working with folks you know you know, corporate sponsors who maybe don't have a voice with Gen Z. Well, we want to be able to give them that voice and say, these guys aren't all bad. You know, I think Gen Z sometimes looks at big corporations and they're like really suspect, right? But that idea of anybody I've ever talked to at any of the socials, um, higher ups, you know, wherever, they're all really great people that want to do great things, but the system is flawed, right? So that, you know, like Greg, you were saying, like, it's sort of like, yeah, it's, it went on so fast. Nobody would really stop to think through that, you know, what was going to happen ultimately to these kids or to a generation. Um, and now we have this immense opportunity to do that and to think very carefully and very strategically and very thoughtfully and psychologically about what's actually going to help them, not like just the bottom line, like what's really going to empower well, them.
1: You, you, let's pull that thread for just a moment because I think you're in, you're really entering the public space at a unique time. It, it, when I look when I look at the world, it's obviously through my U.S. government lenses, right? How 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 is the promley story, the launch of the application, going to be fitting into the nexus of public opinion and discussion and policy debate that's going on in Washington D.C. And as you look at the as you look at the the front pages of the Wall Street Journal and you look at what's happening in the Washington Post, you see it's covering the oversight hearings that are going on in the Senate about what's going on with social media platforms and their business practices targeting teenagers and young adults. What, when you read this and you look at the debate, and you've talked to some of the people who are shaping this, this debate, what do you think? And where do you see this debate heading?
2: Well, let's say this. I, I am literally going, phew we never built in that kind of advertising model or algorithm or anything like that, mostly because our, you know, Gen Zers were like, God, advertisements are so annoying, like that sucks. Like, please don't, you know, give us pop-ups and things like that. And, you know, we said, okay, fine. Like, let's kind of create this other model that thinks differently and, you know, you know can still have a great revenue source, but isn't, you know, capitalizing on that kind of algorithmic model, right? And when, you know, when you say like, um, you know, I guess, like where do you see this headed? or you know it's it's crazy because I've you know been sort of on the receiving end of watching what's happened to kids, especially at-risk kids, with you know the way that the algorithms have worked. You know one of the most frustrating things is when I'm treating somebody with an eating disorder and they've searched up all these, you know really like triggering things like body image and diet pills, and you know all this stuff. when they're really in the throes of it, what's so frustrating is when I'm seeing them get better, they either have to completely destroy their, you know, relationship with social media and start fresh, because the algorithm isn't letting them start over. It's not letting them, you know, kind of, um, you know, say, oh, can you, you know, can we erase the slate, erase the memory a little bit, so don't keep giving me that triggering information. And it's not like it would be triggering to the average person. I think that's one of the things that's sort of confusing to people is, you know, it's not as if, like, you know, socials are, Uh, malicious, per se, in in what they're throwing out there. Um, Maybe they used to be, but they've certainly cleaned it up a lot. And they, um, you know, but the things that are triggering to somebody with an eating disorder can, for a person who doesn't have an eating disorder, not be triggering at all. It's just the problem is that the algorithm doesn't let you kind of breathe a little bit. And that I see as being, you know, something that absolutely has to change. There has to be a way for the user to communicate and say, okay, wipe my slate, you know, like or do something so that I can start fresh without necessarily having to start a whole new profile because I have 15,000 followers that I don't want to give up, you know. So, um, you know, if they're listening to me out there, I would say that's one thing I would ask for. I mean, I have some other ideas too, but um, but it's it's like that's, that model I think is critically flawed um from the
0: once you're searching for things you know the gen zers it's sort of that just constantly gets thrown on their face and they can't get rid of it on their profile and whatever app that they're using
2: yeah it's like one of these things like i i sent out um a group text right to our gen z team um and right before actually one of the senate committee hearings i just wanted to see you know i was like oh guys what are you experiencing day to day this is after you know um you know, Instagram sort of changed things a little bit. I think it was the end of August, you know, the way that they do advertising for teens is different. So there's not as specific or anything like that. But I was like, okay, go on right now. And like, what are the kinds of things that you're seeing? Well, ironically, the kids who have struggled with any kind of eating disorder or body image issues or things like that are still getting, this was as of like, you know, a couple of weeks ago, they're still getting the eat this, not that, um, work out this way. You know, diet this now. Arguably, are those terrible things for the average person? No, but that falls right in line with what would be very triggering for somebody who has a history of an eating disorder.
1: So you've got, we've got a little bit of time left here. I'll ask one more question, and I'm, I'm sure Evan has some as well. If if you could recommend one thing to Congress to take on to sort of explore some of these issues that you're you're take, you're talking about here, what's that one thing?
2: One thing I would say, and I say this all the time, but I would say I think that Congress should have a Gen Z advisory board. One of the things that's so you know crucial to me is I'm a therapist, right? And I hear about trends on social media within maybe 72 hours, right? Or maybe, you know, if I'm lucky, I'm seeing a bunch of kids, they'll tell me that day and I'll hear it like right away. What's so crazy is all these things change on a dime even the words that kids use or the cover ups that kids use they change on a dime the one thing means something else you know gen z is like the the master of disguise in terms of the way that they present themselves on social media or what certain things mean and the average adult will not know what those things are so when i look at like if congress or any you know change maker wants to truly be able to impact change in this particular space they would be wise to be a little bit more informed by actually a gen z advisory board they're going to learn much quicker even if they just tap into those resources very quickly and that can then help them to inform more effective decision making in real time you know i know that that's not you know probably um, how it all works but you know if, if you say one thing that's one thing
0: no i mean the three of us are kind of in the middle of the generations, like twenty years behind the baby boomers and twenty plus years ahead of Gen Z, uh, and we need to be listening in both directions. Uh, but the people that are above us don't really listen downwards um, to the folks. So I, I I like the suggestion of inviting them to a seat at the table, just to at least keep eyes on because they're doing things on social media that we don't really see and can't track and have no idea what they mean. And then sometimes it's often too late uh, and the algorithms are pumping out what you're calling sort of triggering episodes for anybody that has an underlying mental health issue that there are all sorts of things that can be provide these triggering episodes. And I think it's a fool's errand to say, well, you have to just keep your kids off social media entirely um it's almost impossible at this point and they get ostracized by their peers because all of their peers are on social media so um how do you see Promly? this is my last question for you jen how does are you going to take on outside funding how is Promly going to grow so that it can have its message amplified uh beyond where it is right now
2: um yeah definitely we'll take on outside funding you know i think that's one of those where you know when we uh, look to launch in January. We have a beta launch right now going on, so we're testing, and the goal is to be out uh, nationwide in January, and then we have a big, um, you know, concert in April. But you know, after that, I, you know, we'll be doing another round of funding, and we certainly look to have folks take us on, and you know, really be part of the team. I think that's one of the things where we've been so fortunate with the folks that we have backing us. Um, you know, they're part of the energy and really part of our ecosystem and part of the mission. And we're an extremely mission-driven organization awesome. that looks to, you know, we're not just looking for money, we're looking for people and energy and enthusiasm and change makers. You know, our um, podcast and our, you know, publication platform that's run by our Gen Z team is called the change Changemakers. And the whole goal behind it is how can we envision and how can we work with everybody to create impactful change you know we're so grateful to arnon porter for getting behind you know what we're doing and trying to envision change and trying to push things along because this you guys really are the kind of change makers that we look to partner with and say you know let's do this together no one person has the answer we all have to work with each other and you know that's where we look at investors coming in as well as we're all part of the solution Um, We're not going to just rely on one, you know, person or organization or any of that. Um, We're an ecosystem. So.
0: All right. Well, Greg, Jennifer, thank you guys both so much for your time. This has been a a terrific discussion and a topic that is near and dear to my heart and very important to uh, a lot of our listeners. Uh, So we appreciate what you're doing with Promly. Look forward to seeing what you're going to do in January, and maybe we will see you at the festival. It'd be awesome uh, with our Gen Zers in April.
2: <laughs> sounds good. Evan. All right, can't wait.
0: Hey, take care.